You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more. The Collected Podcast is sponsored by Clean Juice, a certified organic nutrition and wellness bar with more than 100 locations in development in 16 states. Learn more at cleanjuice.com. Welcome to episode 43 of The Collected Podcast. I'm Jess Biondo. I'm Michaela Hooper. And I'm Tia McNelly. Today, we have the pleasure of bringing you another episode with Nikki Hardy. We had her on episode four. And if you did not listen to that, you've got to go back and listen because she is fantastic and has a powerful story of just the way that God has worked in her life through difficulty. And she's going to pick up today with the launch of her new book. We're so excited to celebrate this book baby with her. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been a long time coming, and she's really put heart and soul into it and walked in obedience to what God asked her to do. Um, So here is our interview with Nikki Hardy. Nikki Hardy, welcome back to The Collected Podcast. We are so excited to see you again. Oh, it's so, so good to be here. Yeah. So it's been since episode four that we've been apart and we haven't really talked a ton, Um, but I am definitely following your journey. I know we've all been so excited for your book, Breathe Again, that just came out this week. So excited. Um, But for those who maybe haven't gone back and listened to episode four, which by the way, you really should, maybe you can give like a quick recap of kind of your story up to now. And then I really want to dive into some of your incredible content. Well, I just need to open my mouth for people to know that I'm not from around here. (laughs) So yes, I'm a Brit living here in the USA. And um, having lost my mom to cancer, Uh, Six years later, I lost my sister to cancer. Theirs was both um, small cell aggressive lung cancer, and they both um, survived about 14 months after diagnosis. But then just six weeks after I lost my sister to um, cancer on New Year's Eve 2011-12, just as the ball was dropping, six weeks after that, I was diagnosed. And mine wasn't lung cancer like theirs. Mine was rectal cancer. Mm. So, yeah, I... You know, as you can imagine, I thought the heat-seeking missile of death had kind of locked in on me and it was my turn and my world fell apart and the bottom fell out of my world. And given the type of cancer I had, then the world fell out of my bottom. So (laughs) we've had all the poop jokes. Go ahead, roll them in. I don't mind. (laughs) I was just saying this is the first time we've had someone back for a number two. Just for you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um, so since, since we've been apart, you have been working feverishly on, on getting this book written. Mm. So talk to us a little bit about kind of how the Lord led you to writing Breathe Again and Mm. sort of what your mission is in, in following that through. Yeah, well, I found that, um, you know, as I was going through treatment with chemo and radiation and surgery and more chemo, and I had an ostomy bag where I could walk, talk and poop all at the same time, (laughs) a medical miracle, but at the same time, it had its um, difficulties when it would leak in Target and those kind of lovely things. But what I found was that I came to a point where having said, well, I'm a survivor, I'm British, I've got a stiff and perfectly waxed upper lip, I'm going to keep going and 
survive. Then that's all I was doing. I was merely surviving, merely surviving this life that I never signed up for. Um, someone had put me on the cancer train and, you know, I had never bought a ticket. So I was in this purely survival mode. And then I met people who called themselves cancer thrivers not just survivors. And there was something in that that was so enticing and so inviting. I was like, ooh, I want what they've got. Somehow they weren't denying that life was really painful and rough and horrible and words that I can't say on air. But in it, they were finding more when life had handed them less. And I was like, mm. I want that. And then it got me thinking about how God says, um, you know, that Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life to the full and in abundance and all these wonderful overflowing with life and energy and hope kind of words. But then he also says, well, we're going to have storms. And I think what I had done is I had separated those in time and space mm -hmm. and thought, well, I'm going through my storm right now. And once this is over then I'll be able to live life to the full and have my life back. And I think for one, I think that's theological nonsense. I don't mm. think that's what, you know, Jesus meant. But for so many of us, whether you're dealing with depression or chronic illness or you've lost a loved one, you know, the storm never ends. Mm -hmm. You're in it permanently. So this kind of concept of thriving and not just surviving really spoke to that abundance in the storm That's about good. finding life and hope and connection and joy and laughter even right in the middle of all the hard stuff. And so I set out to kind of thrive and not just survive. And I you know, that's how the book came about because I felt like God say, you know, share your story. There are others who feel like they can't breathe, who feel like they are drowning in a life that, you know, they didn't sign up for. So that's how the book came about. And it's a really practical roadmap for doing that. Um, I didn't want it to just be kind of, ooh, didn't she do it well? But mm -hmm. how on earth am I supposed to do it? You know, yeah, so, so it's a really practical roadmap with tools and questions and prayers and things. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's and awesome. the kind of my mantra through it all is life doesn't have to be pain-free to be full. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I love that. When you walked in the studio today, um, there was such vibrancy that was, you know, carried in the space. And I think what you're saying right now is is truly a part of your being. You embody life and you're approaching it with that perspective of, I want to live life to the fullest Mm -hmm. No matter what comes my way, I want to live and breathe and do it to the fullest capacity that I can. Um, do you feel like that the revelation of that only comes through the struggle or is it it's maybe in both? Um, do you feel like you gained greater revelation of that as you went through the struggle of cancer? Like, I think I definitely got a greater revelation of it. Mm -hmm. um, having walked through my mum's cancer with her and my sister's cancer with her, you know, and I went through some tough stuff when I was a kid, my parents divorced. So um, I do think there's um, an element of learning these things through mm -hmm. hard times. Um, but I don't think it's the only way to learn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's possible to learn these things um, through other people and um, through just a sense of leaning into everything that God has for us. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think so often we can go through life, um, you know, thinking that it's off out there in the future. I think one of the biggest lies we believe as women, as human beings, as Christians is, if I can just, you know, if I can just 
get better, if I can just get married, if I can just have a kid, if mm -hmm. I can just whatever it is. Um, and then it just puts everything off. It's the biggest lie that Satan can tell us, really. But, yeah. you know, we like to say, you know, with God, it's not just pie in the sky when you die. There's cake on your plate while you wait. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's so great. That's amazing. Love it. So if, if someone is kind of stuck in the almost the poverty of hopelessness mm. um, and really feeling like they're struggling to survive. What kind of, what kind of advice do you have for someone to like in the moment acutely move mm. from one space to the other? Yeah, it's so, so hard. I mean, I think one of the things that I did a lot of in the kind of immediacy of those situations. Like I remember waking up after one of my surgeries and I woke up in a pool of blood mm. and, you know, I got my medical degree from the University of Grey's Anatomy. So I know that <laughs> pools of blood are not good things. So, um, you know, I immediately was absolutely terrified. Am I hemorrhaging? What is happening? And all I could do at that moment was breathe in Jesus yeah. and breathe out the fear. Wow. I mean, I think there's something really powerful in our breath, in the, that simple prayer that it is, you know, just breathing him in. He is the breath of life. He mm -hmm. can, you know, if we want life, that's where we need to go. So in the kind of immediacy of those moments where you just go, <gasps> you know, and you can't breathe, either you get immediate um, bad news or over time you just find yourself slowly drowning. I think that is really powerful. Yeah. Um, the book centers around um, seven tools or practices, as I call them. And I start with, um, you know, attacking these lies, getting to grips with these lies that we tell ourselves about ourselves. I call it self-trash, using a very American word there. <laughs> but it's the rubbish we believe <laughs> about ourselves. And then there's the rubbish we believe about God. And yes. I think we have to deal with the rubbish mm -hmm. before we can let in um, the truth. And then so I talk about the truth. And then I go through these seven really practical tools. So in the kind of longer term, as people lean into it, you know, I'm hoping they will, there's choose brave and there's trust God mm. and be vulnerable and find mm. community. Actually, those are the other way around. Find community, be vulnerable, embrace the journey, practice gratitude, and then reach out. And so then, and then it's about taking those tools and then going on into the future because once this storm's over, it's pretty likely that there's another one on the horizon because yeah, yeah. life's life. Yeah. You know, I feel like, I'm. you know, maybe I'm not sitting in a moment in my life where I feel like I'm gasping mm -hmm. and trying to breathe again. But that everything you just described sounds like what I what I need, yeah. even even when we're thriving. Mm -hmm. I feel like yeah. I feel like the tools that you just described are something that that we all need. Mm -hmm. And maybe mm -hmm. we need them when we are thriving so that we're prepared when we're not. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I really think that's true that, you know, we've had multiple storms in, in Charlotte at the time of recording this and there are huge trees down and I was just looking at one and it's this majestic willow oak and it's hundreds of feet tall but its roots system is relatively so tiny. And I th was thinking, you know, that over the years as this has grown up above the ground you know, its roots haven't been growing wide enough mm. and we need these roots to be solid in t good times. Yeah. And so, and also it doesn't have to be times when, um, you know, a major storm hits a diagnosis or whatever, you know, just when one of my teenagers is late for curfew, I'm like, okay, God, 
breathe you in, trust, and, you know, those kind of things, or any situation that's small and we get buffeted by the waves of life. Those are the times when we need, okay, I need to, what's the brave choice? You know, I talk about how choosing brave doesn't need to be big, just needs to be intentional. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's just getting up in the morning when your depression is really knocking for you for six or speaking up to your boss, who's a bit of a jerk, you know, those small, brave choices, you know, it's not about who we are, you don't have to be brave in order to act bravely. You I love know? that that concept of acting courageously doesn't have to be some huge valiant event. It can be mm. the very smallest thing. Yeah. Mm. I think that's for me today. That's good. I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, you can only hold your breath for so long physically. Yeah. And how powerful that reminder is of to breathe again. Mm. You know, to really take be intentional and be aware and to to note and you know in yourself like okay just breathe like you said mm. with your you know with your kids like just breathe breathe in Jesus and breathe out the fear or anxiety or whatever and um what are some practical things like for you personally that in this season that you are doing to put that into practice mm. Ooh, well, kind of a little bit of a smorgasbord of all of all of the different practices. You know, um, having written a book, then you're kind of like, gosh, you know, as each situation comes up, it's almost like, well, what would I say to myself if like, I was sitting down with my myself for a coffee? <laughs> what would I say? Um, and so, yeah, so trusting God with, you know, we're beginning to be um, empty nesters and things and the kids are making decisions from themselves and some of them are fantastic and some of them, you know, I'm like, golly, your prefrontal lobe is still a load of (laughs) gooey slime, isn't it? (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I'm having to trust God with them. They're they're ultimately his and um, being brave in, you know, putting myself out there with the book. You know, I share my story. I share the story of other thrivers. um, And I share women of the Bible. And it's, you know, it's a thing to put put yourself out there, Mm -hmm. you know, and to be vulnerable um, in conversations and to be vulnerable about letting people into my space um, and finding community. I talk in the book about, you know, I'm an extrovert who's never met a silence she can't fill, but I've always been a bit of a community phobe. I didn't, I was a bit kind of nervous of all that kind of intimacy and kumbaya and let's do all this together. But actually we need people mm-hmm. to journey with us, you know, thriving is a team sport. And so bravely stepping into that. Um, so just a little bit of everything as I walk forward, um, you know, how can I reach out to others without exhausting myself but you know because we kind of feel like well my world's fallen apart I can't be the glue in somebody else's world Mm. but actually a text a prayer a little conversation Mm -hmm. a casserole you know all these ways are ways that actually Mm. we end up gaining far more than we can ever give so it's kind of I try and live this this daily if you are a clean juice fanatic like we are you have probably been racking up the reward points, but you may not have gone digging in the app deep enough to see that there is something called VIG status. What is that? That is VIG. Very important guest status. Mm. Guys, if you spend $2,500, which let's be real, it's totally easy. That stuff is so delicious. 
And there's no time limit, right? No. So you could take a couple years to do that. Yeah, I guess okay. so. Well, here's the thing is you get tons of perks. You get, get this, a swag box. So all kinds of clean juice swag. And then you get other freebies and you get invited to exclusive clean juice events, which sounds amazing. Yeah. You get uh, a little birthday surprise. You get extra points. You get $10 off of a product. Like, I'm just looking at the list of, of oh. perks here. It's pretty amazing. The list goes on. Yeah, so just keep racking up those points, guys. Yeah, get the app, scan every time you go and shop, and it'll add up before you know it. And be the next VIG. Did you find in the process of writing the book, this is a totally selfish question, that in the process of <laughs> writing the book that you felt like you weren't getting it right yourself. Oh, yes. Yeah? Completely. I feel like I'm writing this book called Collected, and I'm anything but collected. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yes, I know. As I sit at my keyboard, I'm like, I'm trying to breathe again about about it. Yeah, there were a number of different times. You know, I talk about um, how we compare our you know, messy, imperfect lives to the perfectly curated lives that we see on Facebook and Instagram and all this, the you know, the lives that people put forward. Because I think so often we equate that to God's abundant life. Yeah. But it's, you know, we think if it looks glossy, it must be glossy. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's just nonsense. But I was doing it with my writing. You know, I was comparing my really bleep first draft <laughs> with you know, edited beautiful books from these amazing writers. And I was, you know, I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, it's never going to be that good. You know, why am I even bothering? And so, yes, it was a lesson is I'm con- comparing something that shouldn't be compared. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. how can I give it back to God and mm-hmm. choose to be brave and vulnerable and find community in the writing and all those kind of things. That's good. Um, That's so yeah. Good. Do you have uh, Do you have any? I know I see your kind of uh, first copy there. Do you have anything you'd like to read us from from the book? Ooh, um, gosh, I I would love to hear maybe something you said that you talk about um, women in the Bible. Yeah, so each chapter shares a little bit of my story uh-huh. and a little bit of another thriver. So what I did was I interviewed people who were kind of embodying this whole breathe again and thriving, not just surviving um, way of life. And I interviewed a lady who's a triple amputee. Mm. So, um, and somebody who has chronic pain, somebody who has, who was um, walking through having two epileptic toddlers at the same time, which is quite a lot. Somebody who constantly has brain tumors growing in her brain, somebody who has chronic pain, somebody who lost their husband eight months pregnant with their second child. So Mm. people whose Mm -hmm. situations made my rectal cancer, you know, not quite seem like spa day, but they were dealing with some really, really Mm -hmm. hard stuff. And each one kind of embodied one of the different practices. So each tool has one of them. And also an often forgotten woman of a woman of the Bible, and so, oh, I feel like I should have prepared. No, it's okay. Take your time. Um, who have we got? Uh, it's completely fine. Okay. Well, edit the. Can you edit this? Yeah. Edit this out. Um, okay. <laughs> I will talk about practicing gratitude. 
Oh, great. Perfect. Okay. So um, this is in the chapter Practice Gratitude. Um, and I talk about Mary. And um, this little section is called The Gratitude of No Ordinary Teenager. Outwardly, Mary seemed like a normal teenager, nothing to write home about. Like most girls her age, she was already betrothed and had her life mapped out in front of her. Marry the carpenter Joseph, have a few kids, and live happily ever excuse me, happily ever after, while honouring and trusting God. She was no different from any of her girlfriends, until a tall, dark and handsome angel made a heavenly appearance in her living room. Okay, so there's no biblical evidence Gabriel is George Clooney with wings, <laughs> but can't a girl imagine? <laughs> Gabriel throws an almighty curveball at Mary's nice, calm, planned-out life, sending it completely off course. Before this encounter, her life wasn't exactly to die for, but being chosen to be the unwed mother of the Messiah was no upgrade. She knew all too well what it meant. As an unmarried, pregnant teenager, she faced divorce and possibly death. Her good Jewish parents, along with the rest of her community, would tear their clothes, mortified, then disown and shun her. In a nutshell... Gabriel's news shattered Mary's world. I just love Mary. On the one hand, she's so human and relatable, and on the other, she's a spiritual marvel, the woman I want to be when I grow up. This shattering knocks her for six, but after she questions her heavenly messenger about a few practical details and takes a moment to think, she's all in. I wonder if she knew what she was getting into or if, the Gabri or if Gabriel's heavenly presence and, I imagine, piercing blue eyes, worked some heavenly spell. What happened when the light faded and his heavenly glow was just a memory? Did she question it as a moment of hormonal madness? Did she panic at the thought of what would lie ahead? We'll never know. Another mystery is why Mary hurried to her cousin Elizabeth's house. I wonder if she made the 90-mile trek through the hill country between Nazareth and Judea, feeling more and more anxious, her heart at sixes and sevens, with what she agreed to. While it's likely she was among a caravan of travellers, she would have been alone with her thoughts and her worsening morning sickness. We don't know what she thought as she made this journey, but we do know the first thing she did once Elizabeth greeted her. She praised God and gave thanks. This teenager, this unwed mother in danger of divorce and possible death, gave thanks for her God and how he had looked with favour on her. Favour? Really? From the outside looking in, gratefully calling herself favoured sounds like utter madness. But from the inside looking out, it makes perfect sense. Mary knew this shattering was for her, for her good and for the good of all people, and thanksgiving was the way to finding life within it. Wow. Wow. Man. That is, I, I don't know if I've ever noticed Mary's gratitude. Yeah. It's, you know? hi it's hidden. It's hidden in there. And I have to give kudos to my friend Tamara, who um, goes to our church, when I said, will you help me find some amazing women of the Bible? And I gave her, you know, the tools that I was thinking about, and she came up with a whole ton of examples. Oh. And so I, when I dived into the stories, I was like, yes, that's it. Because we kind of think, you know, oh, Mary, she's so wonderful. But what she went through as a teenager and then in the middle, you know, right off the bat, yeah. she's giving thanks. Wow. That's powerful. Mm. Are you going to do an audiobook of that? I have done an audiobook. Yes. yes. It was very exciting. We, very exciting. We all, everything stopped in this room. The second you started reading, we were all just like, oh. 
in the back of my head, I was thinking, gosh, this is a long section. Should I stop? No, (laughs) it was perfect. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, listeners, if you're not convinced to run out and buy Breathe Again yet, I don't know Mm -hmm. what else we can do. (laughs) (laughs) And probably the the audio version is uh, a good thing to pick up too. Because man, your voice is just like, it it just makes me calm. Instantly calm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys. Well, you know, my just, my hope is that people have a have this roadmap this Mm -hmm. practical set of tools because when I was going through it I read memoirs and devotions and they were all inspiring and they all gave me hope but then I was like okay so how do I trust God and then I was like "Eh," and I tried and I was like no I'm still pissed off at you actually God yeah and so I try and be super practical because that's what we need when you know we can hardly breathe Mm -hmm. it seems like you might have written the book you wish had been around oh. when when people were giving you all the books. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I say that it's kind of part BFF, it's part spiritual cheerleader mm-hmm. and co- coach and 100% down to earth, you know, mm-hmm. it, I'm... That's totally kind of you in a nutshell, yeah. really. <laughs> That's great. It's like you even brought George Clooney into that. Oh, I mean, yeah. Gosh, you know? Yes, well, why not? Why not? <laughs> well, Nikki, thank you so much for joining us again oh. on this show. We really appreciate it. And we can't wait to see what else God does with your story. Thank you so much. It's been a joy as ever. You guys are the best. One thing that I love about Nikki is that she brings sense uh, her sense of humor into um, something that is really difficult. Um, talking about her process of having cancer and losing family and then writing this book. And as she read, she brought in humor in such a way that just, I don't know, it was it's so powerful how laughter and humor can break down barriers and can really soften us mm-hmm. to um, like soften some of the hardness that can develop over time when you're going through something really difficult. Yeah, we just had the pleasure of um, spending some time with Steve Backland from yeah. Igniting Hope out in, in um, Redding, California. And he really talked about how laughter is a weapon. Yes. And it breaks down. Ooh. Yeah, isn't that great? Mm-hmm. It really kind of breaks down the things that the enemy's trying to throw at us. And we can just laugh in the face of the lies, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I love her sense of humor. Yeah. And her accent. You guys, go get that audio book. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I was like, hey, baby, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, man. Seriously, uh, go grab Breathe Again. Yeah, the tagline is how to live well when life falls apart. And I mean, Nikki just lives that out every Mm -hmm. day. And I'm excited to read this book. Yeah, Yeah. me too. Me too. I feel like I need it. It's great. All right, guys, go buy the book. Check out Nikki Hardy. Definitely please rate, review, subscribe, share. Give us a shout. We would appreciate (laughs) it so much. It really makes such a big difference um, when... These these messages from our our uh, guests on the show can make it to the ears of new people. Mm-hmm. The whole point is to get God's goodness in our stories and testimonies out into the world. That's why we do this. And so we really appreciate it when you share the love. We'll see you back here next week, guys. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would help spread the word. Check back here for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday. 
You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. Find the Collected Podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Collected Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as $1 a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, exclusive contests, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNally Notes, Jess at Spreza Foundry, and Michaela at The Creative Space NC. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to prevent and support unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. Support for the Collected Podcast is provided by Clean Juice. Learn more at cleanjuice.com and be sure to check out their lifestyle arm at wellhappyandkind.com. Podcast recorded by Jacob Early. Music by Asaf Alon.